Did you know that the Old Testament is composed of 39 books, 929 chapters, 23,214 verses, 593,493 words. Did you know that the Psalms is the longest book and Obadiah is the shortest book? Did you know that there are 17 historical books and five poetical books and 17 prophetical books? Did you know that the New Testament is composed of 27 books, 260 chapters, 7,959 verses, and 181,253 words? Did you know that the book of Acts is the longest book in the New Testament and 3 John is the shortest? Did you know that there are four Gospels, one historical book and 22 epistles? Did you also know that it wasn't until about 1250 A.D. that the Latin Bible was divided into chapters by Cardinal Hugo? Did you know that in 1551, Robert Estenine, he included verse divisions in the Greek New Testament? Did you know that the first entire English Bible to have verse divisions was the Geneva Bible in 1560? Did you know any of this? Do you know why I ask? Well, I ask because what I have to say today is about our time in God's Word. As we begin a new year, I want to encourage you to read your Bible more or read it for the first time on a regular basis. Someone said it takes 70 hours and 40 minutes to read the Bible at a pulpit rate. Others said... It takes 52 hours and 20 minutes to read the Old Testament. It takes 18 hours and 20 minutes to read the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the Psalms take the longest to read, about 4 hours and 28 minutes. In the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke takes 2 hours and 43 minutes to read. So hearing that, reading the Bible is certainly attainable. And it should be constantly pursued by every child of God. The question is a matter of priority. There was a church in Scotland that reported it read the Bible nonstop for 62 hours and 55 minutes. Saints throughout the ages have expressed this kind of commitment. Like a French nobleman, M. de Renty, who read the Bible daily for three hours on his knees. Some people say, if I get on my knees, I will not be able to get back up. Lady Frances Hobart read the Psalms 12 times a year, the New Testament three times, and other parts of the Old Testament once. The Countess of Suffolk, for the last seven years of her life, read the Bible twice a year. Dr. Gouge read 15 chapters daily, five in the morning, five after dinner, and five in the evening before bed. Jeremiah Whitaker read all the epistles in the Greek New Testament twice 
every night. Joshua Barnes read a small pocket Bible, which he also carried with him, and he read it 120 times. Robert Cotton read the whole Bible through 12 times a year. Henry Wilmner read with the most detailed attention the whole Bible eight times over, and during his ninth reading of the book of Job, he died. John Quincy Adams said this, I have for many years made it a practice to read through the Bible once a year. My custom is to read four or five chapters every morning, immediately after rising from bed. It employs about an hour of my time and seems to me the most suitable manner of beginning the day. Did you know that the law was read regularly in the synagogue? The first five books of Moses. Did you know that the New Testament letters were read in the churches to which they were sent? Did you know that there are also saints who have committed the Bible to memory? Like Tertullian, who devoted his days and nights to Bible reading, so much so that he learned much of it by heart, even its punctuations. Theodosius the Younger, he could repeat any part of the Scripture exactly and describe and discourse with the bishops at court as if he himself was a bishop. Origen, he never went to meals or to sleep without having some portion of the scripture read. Eusebius, he said that he heard of one whose eyes were burned out under Diocletian's persecution. Repeat from memory the scriptures in a large assembly. Beza could repeat all of Paul's epistles in Greek at the age of 80. Cramer could repeat the entire New Testament from memory, leaning or learning it on his journey to Rome. Ridley also memorized the entire New Testament during his walks in Pembroke Hall of Cambridge. Well, you hear that, and you can see that there are many who have committed their lives to this book, and there are many who have actually given their lives for this book. William Tyndall whose desire was to put the Bible in the language of the people so that even the plowboy could read it, and that is in English. When they finally found him, they strangled him and burned him at the stake for producing a Bible in the English language. But I will tell you, we are reaping his benefits. Seventy percent of the King James Bible is his work. To have over 40 translators work on this and have 70 percent still remain Need no revision, no correction. And there were others who gave their lives. Well, as we think about it today, I want to focus on the labor, and I call it a labor, of reading the Bible. Not everyone can read. For them, audio Bibles are perfect. For those who struggle with reading, again, audio Bibles are very helpful And you know, it's even difficult to estimate in the ancient world what the level of literacy was. For example, there was professional scribes that passed on their knowledge within their families, and their services were available to those who were illiterate. But did you also know that the Bible itself gives a blessing just for reading? Revelation 1.3. And even though that may be talking primarily about the book of Revelation, it is still true about the rest of the Bible. 
Charles Spurgeon said, I usually find that the greatest doubters are the people who do not read the Bible. So as we talk about this this morning, I want to talk about different ways to read the Bible. And as we begin this new year, again, I want to encourage you to make a commitment to read the Bible this year. And like I said, you may already been doing that. You may have a plan that you're working with, and you already have a plan for this year, and that is wonderful, and I hope that you will do that and stick to it. Some of us don't have a plan. Some of us just have a hope that we're going to do it and we're going to stick to it. But I have found over the years that if you do have some kind of plan, some kind of way to hold yourself accountable, that it's extremely helpful. So as I said, I want to talk about this this morning. Charles Spurgeon again said, How often do we open the sacred book and read a chapter through, perhaps a family prayer, or perhaps in our own private devotions, and having read from the first verse to the last, we shut up the book, thinking that we have done something very right and very proper, and in a vague way, somehow profitable to us. Very right and very proper indeed. Yet, right and proper as the thing is, we may really have gained nothing thereby. We may, in fact, have only drilled ourselves in merely external part of religion and may not have enjoyed anything spiritual or anything that can be beneficial to our souls if we have forgotten the divine spirit through whom the word has come to us. So let's change that this morning. I want to give you five ways that you can read your Bible. There are many other things that you can add to this, and probably in your own personal study, you can jot down some more things. But I want to begin right here by giving you five things that you can do as you read your Bible. The first one is to read prayerfully. To read prayerfully. Our reading should be done with the deepest reverence. No one can comprehend the teachings of the Bible in in their own ability. So you need assistance. And that assistance that you and I need comes from the Holy Spirit. We have to remember it's the Holy Spirit that helps us in our infirmities. But he doesn't help us in our idleness. David prayed this in Psalm 119 and verse 18. He prayed, Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. That was his prayer. He wanted to know the wonderful things from the law of God, but he also knew that the only way he was going to understand that was for God to open up his eyes. Commenting on the word open, Albert Barnes says the meaning literally is to be naked or to make naked. No, he's not saying to get naked and read your Bible. He's talking about the word open. In other words, it means to uncover, to disclose, to reveal. Thomas Manton said the Hebrew phrase, it signifies unveil mine eyes. So David's prayer was for God to take away from his eyes what is before them that would prevent clear vision. It's really what God did to Balaam in Numbers twenty-two thirty-one. 31. 
If you remember, it says that God opened the eyes of Balaam and he saw the angel of, of Yahweh standing in the way with his sword drawn in his hand and he bowed his head down and prostrated himself to the ground. You remember he was on his donkey and he's trying to get his donkey to go and his donkey wouldn't because his donkey was able to see what was in the way. And then all of a sudden, God opened up Balaam's eyes and he could see the angel of Yahweh. See, since the fall, men's eyes have naturally been blinded. They have a veil over them that God must remove before he can see clearly. That's why when you get into Ephesians 1.17, Paul had this prayer for the Ephesians. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the full knowledge of Him, so that, or for the purpose of, that your eyes or the eyes of your heart, having been enlightened, will know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his might or of his strength? He was praying that the Holy Spirit would give him open eyes. Well, for that to take place... You need to read it prayerfully depending on the Holy Spirit as you read. He opens up the eyes of the heart. So before you start reading your Bible, it's critical that you pray. Because reading the Bible and praying go together. And here's how they go together. Prayer is doing what? It's talking to God, right? And when you read your Bible, guess what? God is talking to you. Don't be looking for some kind of audible voice to hear. No, go to the written word of God, and if you want an audible voice, then read it out loud. So first you need to read prayerfully. Secondly, and this one's hard, if not the first one wasn't, you need to read undistractedly. You need to remove all those distractions. And the number one reason why people don't read the Bible, uh, at least that I read, or I'm told, is because they're busy. They're too busy. But you know what, folks? I don't know if it's really a matter of busyness as it is a matter of priority. Because you know what? We make time for things that we consider to be a priority. And we work through the busyness so that we can do that. George Barna, he said, among those who say their Bible reading decreased in the last year, the number one reason was busyness. 40% reported that they were too busy with life's responsibilities, like a job, family, and just all those things that come with it. That was an increase of seven points from just one year before this. Other factors Americans cite as reason for less time reading Scripture include a significant change in their life. That was 17%. 15% said that they don't read the Bible because they became atheist or agnostic. 13% said that they were going through a difficult experience and that caused them to doubt God, so they stopped reading their Bible. 
That's probably why they doubt God, because they stopped reading their Bible. 8% said, seeing that reading the Bible made little difference in their life, they didn't read the Bible. Barna goes on to say, these relatively smaller percentages reveal that Americans don't often turn away from the Bible over ideological or emotional conflicts. Indeed, on the whole, Americans say that they want to read the Bible. 62% wish they read Scripture more. They just don't know how to make time. And probably one of the worst enemies of our time, or one of the worst enemies of Bible study today in the Western world, is TV. We could add to that, really, telephones or smartphones. We can add computers, internet. But let's just talk about TV for just a moment. If you're an average American, 18 years of age, you will have already amassed about 18,000 hours of TV viewing. Experts tell us that by the time a TV-raised American reaches the age of 65, he will have had an average of nine and a half years of solid TV viewing. That's 15% of a person's life spent in front of a TV set. And as I said, we can add being on the internet, being in front of your computer, being in front of your phone. If on the other hand, a person went to Sunday school regularly from birth until about age 65, he would only have a total of four months of solid Bible teaching. Four months. So it's any wonder why there are so many weak Christians in Western society. We have to discipline ourselves, and we have to make specific time for Bible study and not let anything get in its way. Some believe that you should study your Bible when you are physically and emotionally and intellectually at your best, when you're unhurried, and I can agree with that, but I also believe you've got to push through those times. And you have to push through when you, you don't feel like reading the Scriptures. You know, there are days that I don't feel like studying. But I know because of the depth of what I do that it takes me the entire week. And I explained to somebody one day what it's like putting a sermon together. I said, have you ever heard of a thesis? He said, yes. I said, well, think about doing a thesis every week. See, when I was in college, uh, when you were doing your master's degree, you had a thesis to do, and it was only one. And you had the whole time to do it. Yeah, you were doing term papers and things like that, but they don't compare to a thesis. A term paper, two to five to ten pages, maybe 15 pages, depending on the topic or depending on the assignment, obviously. But not so with a thesis. Theses are a lot longer. They're more detailed. They're very well cited. Nice bibliography to go along with it because that stuff is what you put in. In fact, when I was doing my master's degree... I had a topic that I had taught on in the church. In fact, it was on the church. And I taught this. And I sat on that for like three years, thinking, you know, I could use this for my thesis. 
<laughs> Do you already hear the problem? I sat on it for how long? <laughs> Three years. And I finally went and I visited the president of the school and I showed it to him and I said, I'd like to do this for my thesis. I said, what do you think? He said, I'll take it. Just retype it and have it bound like the normal submission is for a thesis. You have to have it bound as a hardback. I just kind of stood there with my mouth open because I was thinking, I sat on this for three years. I could have been done three years before this. But no, I, I sat there on it. Kept putting it off, kept putting it off. But there are times when you have to push through. And I think that some of the things that can help us with our Bible reading is, number one, accountability. Maybe do this with your spouse and each other hold each other accountable. Or do this with a group of believers. Either way, you need to have some kind of accountability. Because I preach every week, you guys are my accountability. I can't come up here on Sunday morning and say, well, you know, I need one more day. Why don't you just come back? We'll do it on Monday. We'll have church on Monday. What do you think? And I'll be ready by then. Well, I've wasted your time because I brought you out on Sunday, and then I told you I wasn't ready. And then automatically you're asking, well, what did he do all week? Normally he's ready. Why isn't he ready now? Well, I will just tell you that there are a plethora of things that interrupt my life just as much as interrupt your life, but I have to push through it. And there are many times my family hears the same thing. I'm working on this. I'm working on this. And poor Nathan, he came in this morning and telling me some things, and I was just doing a few more things to this message this morning, and I said, I'm, I'm working on this. And he knew exactly what was going on and walked out. Um, when my doors close, sometimes I'll hear a faint knock. I'm thinking, why don't you just knock louder, you know, knock harder. But I hear, it's kind of like I'm scared to knock on this door. And I get a few interruptions like that. And, of course, we have to stop and eat, and we have to do what Chuck Swindoll used to say was the, the biggest waste of time of his life from studying was going to the bathroom. He said, I hate being interrupted in my study just to go to the bathroom. He said, that's the biggest waste of time. Well... I don't know about that. But you see, accountability does have its place, and it is very helpful. But I'll tell you what, our greatest example is Jesus. Here's how I would tell you that. Matthew 14, if you'd like to turn there, Matthew 14, 22 and 23. I want you to listen to this text right here and listen to the busyness in our Lord's life. It tells us that after he fed 5,000 people, <laughs> you stop right there. He fed 5,000 people. And then immediately he made his disciples get into the boat, go before him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray, and when evening had come, he was alone there. So here's the scene. He had 5,000 people. He just fed them this wonderful miracle of feeding all of these people. And probably at the height of popularity, if you would say it that way, and notoriety because of the miracles, and people really want to attach themselves to him because of this miracle that he had just performed, he sends him away. 
He needed time alone. He needed that time alone with the Father. And if he needed time alone with the Father, guess what? You and I need that same time alone with God. And you know what? He, he made it a habit to slip away. It says in Luke 5.16 that he himself would often slip away to the desolate regions and pray. That was a habit. He needed that. Sometimes he would spend all night in prayer. Luke 6.12 says that it happened that at this time he went off to the mountain to pray and he was spending the whole night in prayer to God. Now, I don't know if you've ever done that. I have many times laid in my bed for hours, not able to sleep and just all kinds of things on my mind and just lay there and pray. And I've heard a couple of you tell me similar situations, wrestling with God throughout the night. Other times, he would devote early in the morning. Like Mark 1.35 says that in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus rose up, went out of the house, and went away to a desolate place and was praying there. So listen, if Jesus needed to do that, so do we. We need to have time alone with God. And I'll tell you what, brothers and sisters, with the stuff that we see going on in the world and the stuff that we get bombarded with throughout the day, we need time alone with God in His Word away from the things of the world. Some people like midweek services. They feel like that's kind of a recharge during the week to be around other believers, to be in the Word and so forth, and I can understand that. But I just tell you, you need it. You and I need it. So we need to read prayerfully. We need to read undistractedly. Third, we need to read daily. We need to read daily. Over in the Gospel of Matthew, as well as in the Gospel of Mark, there's a question that Jesus asked the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and it was this. He said, have you not read? When the Pharisees had questioned Jesus about his disciples picking the heads of grain and eating them, they were doing this on the Sabbath, so they said, it's not lawful to do this on the Sabbath. So Jesus replied in Matthew 12, 3, he said, have you not read what David did when he became hungry, he and his companions? How he entered the house of God, and they ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those with him, but for the priest alone? Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priest in the temple break the Sabbath and are innocent? But I say to you that something greater than the temple is there. But if you had known what this means, I desire compassion and not a sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. You know, some of the views that we have can be easily cleared up by reading the Bible. Many questions that we have can be cleared up by reading the Bible. I have found so many times that a question I may have about a text is answered somewhere else in the Bible. You know, the Reformers had a word for that. They called it analogia scriptura. 
Analogia Scriptura was seeing scripture-wide truths throughout the Bible. And they would cross-reference those truths to prove that this is scripture-wide. There was another occasion when the Sadducees had sought to test Jesus, and they had asked him in Matthew twenty-two twenty-four and following, Teacher, Moses said, If a man dies having no children, his brother, as next of kin, shall marry his wife and raise up a seed for his brother. Now there were seven brothers with us, and the first married and died, and having no seed, he left his wife to his brother. And so also the second and the third down to the seventh. And last of all, the woman died. Here's their question. In the resurrection, therefore whose wife of the seven will she be? Now the text began by telling us that they did not believe in the resurrection. And someone else said that's why they were so sad, you see. But at the end of this passage, by the way, that was a joke. That was... At the end of this passage, he tells them, you are mistaken. Not understanding the scriptures nor the power of God. I guarantee you right now, my wife is laughing. See, Jesus responded by showing them their ignorance of scripture. Have you not read? You're talking about the resurrection, but you haven't read So he told him, he said, you're mistaken not understanding the scriptures. You don't understand the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. But regarding the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob? He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. In fact, there is another occurrence, and it's found in Mark in Mark's version, but it's actually a recounting of Matthew twenty-two, twenty-four through 29 that I just read to you. I believe that many people are ignorant of the Bible because simply they don't read it. Or they read books about the Bible but never read the Bible itself. And I can somewhat understand the intimidation. That's pretty thick. That's large print. Now, if you're one of these guys that can read that really tiny print, it's a little thinner. I can't even read it. I can't even open it up and tell what book I'm in. It's so small. But you know, we heard in our last point why people don't read the Bible. They're, they're too busy. But in our age of technology, it is possible to read the Bible in the midst of being busy. How many of you do other things when you're watching TV, or when you're listening to the radio. When Teresa and I are watching TV, and she gets up and goes to the kitchen, I pause it, and she'll always tell me, no, you can keep playing it, I can hear it. In fact, the way our house is set up, you can see it still from the kitchen, but she always says the same thing, I can hear it. And by her saying that she can hear it, she's admitting that she could do a couple things at the same time while she's listening. So if it really came down to it that you're just so busy, you could interject an audio Bible in there and listen while you're doing these things. I love to do that when I drive. I like to listen to the Bible. When I'm 
out in my yard working on the tractor and I'm doing things for my wife and doing man things, pushing trees down, stuff like that, you know what I mean? Well, I put on headphones and I listen to my Bible or listen to a sermon. A lot of times I like to listen to a Bible and, and just hear it read in my mind. I want my mind to be saturated. So I, I just try to grab the little time that's here and the little time that's there. Now, that's, that's in addition to what I'm going to do in my study. That's just reading the Bible. And there are different plans that, that you can do to make that happen. But, you know, you can do a couple things while you read. You can do a couple things while you listen, just like you're doing this morning. Some of you may be doing two or three things while you're listening to me. But you're able to do it, right? Because we, we multitask. No, Miranda, I wasn't looking at you. It's in my notes right here. But see, the point is, is that we can make the time. And, and listen, if you're a parent, you, you, always, you also know that if you have small children, you're doing multiple things, right? And if you have more than one child, you're doing multiple things with several children at the same time. And others, you say, just wait a minute, I've run out of things I can do with you. You might not be able to sit down with a paper copy, a print copy, but you can listen on your phone. You can listen on your tablet. You can listen on your computer, or you can listen from your TV. We have Faith Life TV, and it has an audio Bible on there that's visual. And when you play it, the words are on the screen and they change automatically, a beautiful background, and you can listen and watch. And the watching part helps with the distractions. I like to use a, a mobile app called Dwell, D-W-E-L-L. -L. I've used many audio apps. One of the things I like about this particular app, especially if I'm listening to this with my family, most of them do not like to hear music playing while the scripture's being read. It becomes a distraction. And I have used some apps that have music in the background and they play it a little too loud. And I've always said, I wish I could turn it down. So when I found out about this particular app called Dwell, it lets you turn the music at whatever volume you want. It even lets you turn it off if you desire. It also lets you choose between about a dozen or more different voices that are reading the Bible. And it includes several different translations of the Bible. So whichever translation that you use, or you like to hear read, or you like to read out loud, you can pull that up, go to that translation, you can have that particular guy read it, or girl read it, whichever one. To be honest with you, when I use the Dwell Bible, I like to listen to David Suchek. He reads from the New International Version. And it's just, and probably because he's an actor, he can do the right voice inflections. It's not canned reading. You know how sometimes you, you listen to somebody read and you can tell they're reading instead of presenting. And I know sometimes when I'm up here and I'm sharing with you a message, sometimes you can tell I'm reading from my notes because I sound like I'm reading because I am reading. Other times you can't tell 
because I'm not reading it, I'm paraphrasing my notes. But either way, it's helpful to have all those kinds of options, at least for myself. Now, that particular app costs money, and I made an investment in that. And I've, I've invested in the lifetime plan. I don't have to pay for it ever again. It cost me a little over 100 bucks, but it was worth it. Now, there are plans out there that are free. There are, there are apps that are free. I like to use our church app. If you don't have our church app on your phone, it's available in Android and iPhone and iPad. I've got some features that I've stuck on there that will help you with this. For example, I like to use the church app to listen to the Bible being read by Max McLean. Uh, I use, like if I'm in a rush, there's a one-minute Bible on there. Uh, or I can listen to the Proverbs being read also by Max McLean, or I can listen to the Bible in a year be read by Max McLean. So again, if you're a busy person and can't really work all the busyness out of your schedule and make sure your Bible reading is your priority, then like I said, you can get you an app, you can listen to it. But either way, we can read the Bible. You know, when responding to the devil's temptation... Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds forth from the mouth of God. And I just have a simple question after reading that. How often do you eat food? Every day, don't you? Jesus said, You also need every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God every day. You need it every day. You need it. I need it. Job said it this way in Job 23, 12. He said, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. So it's okay to skip breakfast every now and then. You know, some of you might not even be breakfast eaters. So therefore you could get up and read why you normally would be eating breakfast. Before I would take off for work, when I had a job outside the church, I would get up early enough so that I could have some time reading and praying. Other times, I would just push it over to the car when I'm driving, and I would put the audio on. I'd spend some time in prayer before I did that, and then I'd put the Bible on, and I'd listen to it. And then if I had more time left, I'd go ahead and put in a sermon. I drove an hour one way, so I used that time as wisely as I could, especially in those moments when I got caught in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic. It just gives you more time to, to hear it, right? But do not do this. Do not pick your phone up while you're driving so you can look at it. I see people do that all the time. Usually people that I get behind when I'm going to pass another person, I get behind this person. It's going really slow, so I have to go the other way, and I look over there, and what do I see? They're on their phone. I think they put the. They think they have a Tesla that they can just let the car go and it'll just go for them, you know. John Gill says the words of the Lord that came from His mouth, they're the food of faith. They're food for faith. They are in them milk for babes and meat for strong men. They are savory, salutary, wholesome words by which the people of God are nourished up unto eternal life, and they are esteemed by them more than the food that is necessary and convenient for their bodies. 
So again, since that's the case, we should be doing this every day. John MacArthur says, sophisticated and ingenious Bible study method books are fine, but they should never come ahead of fundamental steps. And there is no more fundamental step than systematically reading God's word, line upon line, precept upon precept, absorbing its total truth and cohesiveness. Now, there are many ways to read the Bible. And as I said earlier, one way is to use a Bible reading plan. This has its benefits. It helps you to keep focus. It gives you something to follow. It guides you in your reading of the scriptures. And before I jump into any particular plans, let me share with you J.C. Ryle's plan. He wrote this in 1879. He says, I believe it is by far the best plan to begin the Old and New Testaments at the same time. To read each straight through to the end and then begin again. This is a matter in which everyone must be persuaded in his own mind. I can only say it has been my own plan for nearly 40 years and I have never seen cause to alter it. So he takes the Old Testament and the New Testament and he starts them at the beginning and he reads them both at the same time. Now, you could take the Old Testament. If you spent 20 minutes a day reading the Old Testament, you will be done in one year. If you took a chapter a day in the New Testament, one chapter a day, you'll be done in one year. Now, some people like to read faster than that. But like I say, just start simple. If you're not used to doing this, don't overwhelm yourself. And one of the things I wanted to do this morning is I wanted to talk about this plan that I mentioned inside your bulletin. It's called the 5 by 5 by 5 New Testament Reading Plan. This is developed by the Navigators. Navigators is a ministry that's been around a long time. And if you do not have a Bible reading plan, I want to encourage you to start tomorrow, because this is when it starts, and use this for your Bible reading. This, this is just a start. Like I said, it's something for you to work with. Now, you may have other plans. Go with those other plans if that's what you already have. But if you don't have a plan, here's you something that you can start with. Now, I know it's just the New Testament, and that's fine. You can take the other time that you're not reading, and you can include the New Testament. Like I said, 20 minutes a day, you'll be done with it in one year. But this 5 by 5 by 5 plan, it's 5 minutes a day, 5 days a week. That's why it starts tomorrow. Five minutes a day takes you through all 260 chapters in the New Testament, five days a week, and like I said, you'll be done in a year. All you need to do is determine a time and a location to where you can spend five minutes for five days a week. And as you do this, the third five is to help you dig deeper. And let me tell you about that part. That's the last part of the plan. And this part is basically asking you to pause in your reading and dig into the Bible. Because you know what? As you read, you're going to have questions. It's very helpful that it, you, you have next to your Bible another valuable tool. You know what it is? A notepad. A notepad and a pencil or a notepad and a pen, whichever you prefer to write with. And as you have questions, write them down on the notepad. Or you can write them in the margin of your Bible, whichever you choose to do.
but it will help you. Now, here's some ways that you can go a little bit deeper. You can underline words. You can highlight key phrases or key words in the passage. You can take the passage and rewrite it in your own words. You could take the passage that you're reading and you can do it at a slower pace. Then you can rewrite rewrite the phrases or the sentences in your own words. Other things you can do is ask questions, ask questions about the, the passage. You want to know what the big idea is in the passage, you can write that down. You can ask questions like, what is the point of this verse? What's the point of this sentence? What's the point of this paragraph? What's the point of this chapter? And as you read, go find out what the point is. One of my professors in seminary, he used to get us to ask this question, what would it matter if this chapter was not in the Bible? Would it make any difference? Other things you can do is personalize the meaning, but you've got to get to the meaning before you can do that. And the meaning you're looking for is not some kind of meaning that you can come up with from a devotional. It's a meaning that the author intended it to have when he wrote it. So you've got to get to that. But I guess I would tell you this much, you're not going to get anywhere near that if you're not systematically reading the Bible. Do you know that many times when we're interpreting the Bible, we're doing it based upon context? Context? Context means that which goes with the text. We don't pick up books and start reading in the middle. We read it in the beginning. And I'll tell you what, if you want to know what a book is about, here's some things you need to examine. First, you need to read the preface. You need to look at the table of contents. You need to look over uh, some statements that are put on the back that give you a summary. If you do that before you purchase a book... You might save yourself some money because you might think it's talking about something else or it's going to go into something else. And you begin to read all those things. You think, well, this is really not touching on what I want to do. I have found that so helpful and it saves me so much money, by the way, because I buy books and I buy a lot of electronic books. I used to buy a lot of print books, but I'm pretty much all electronic now. I do have a print library. But I have found with the use of electronics, there are a lot of benefits to it. And I want to recommend one particular Bible app. If you don't have it, go get it. It's called Logos, L-O-G-O-S. It's a very good app. It's simple to use. They offer a free version. If you like it, you can purchase a plan or purchase a a level that will give you stuff that you need. I have about 7,000 books digitally in that program. Now, I have been using that program for over 30 years. So I've been in it a while, and I've got a lot of investment in it. So for me to hear about other costly, pricely programs like Accordance, which is a very good scholarly program, but you know what? I can't make that investment in that program because I've already got an investment in this one, and I'm talking about an investment. Some of those packages that you buy, uh, yeah, they're $1,500, $2,000. Yeah, they are. And see... As a pastor, those are investments for me. I want that kind of access to those resources. And I tell you, when I say I'm always buying them, because when I'm studying, if my 7,000-book library doesn't have a particular book I'm looking for, I go looking for it on Logos' website and pray that it's on sale. (laughs) And I I purchase it, download it, and I've, I've got access to it right then. 
But when you get to all of this, the last thing you're going to do in digging deeper in that last five thing is, is personalize the meaning. And this is what I would call application. And application basically asks questions like, how could my life be different today as I respond to what I'm reading? Because there's some things that you can read in the Bible that don't really call for a lot of interpretation. And you can apply it right then. There are some things, of course, that do call for a lot of work. And you can't apply it immediately until you understand what it means. Irving Jensen said, where does one find time to read the Bible? Free time is so scarce for most Christians that it is never found. So we must take time to read the Bible, scheduling it at a different or at a regular time, if possible, in each day. Someone said we must have a Medo-Persian hour. That is an unchangeable hour for our Bible study. I agree. We need to spend time with him in his word. Listen, if you want to commune with God, it's going to happen when you're in his word because God has magnified his word above his name. And when we're studying the word of God, we're also studying the God of the word. Again, if you want to know what the Bible teaches, listen, I, I'm surprised at some of the views that people come up with. And you could tell they picked the view up from somebody else that they were listening to. They didn't pick that view up from the Bible because the Bible doesn't teach that. You've heard me say a few times when I talk about the Trinity that you have T.D. Jakes who doesn't believe in the Trinity and the whole Christian community hails him as this great Christian leader. But folks, if you don't believe in the Trinity, you're not a Christian. I will be as bold to say that. But he believes in one God taking on three roles. That was a first century heresy. The early church dealt with that, treated it as a heresy. And, but you've got people today doing it again. There are other people that come to Scripture and they allegorize everything or spiritualize everything that they read. The Bible is to be taken literally. Yes, it's got symbolism there, but you can work through that too. Parables. And you know, if you compare the Old and the New Testament, you'll find that the Old Testament is primarily narrative. The first four Gospels and Acts are what? Narrative. The rest of them are much different. Much different. Concrete truths. I found when I taught through the Gospel of John that that was probably one of the hardest books for me because of the narrative. I had to read through those narratives and glean what the principles were in the narratives. When I'm studying other uh, books in the Bible that are not like that, that are not narrative, they're cognitive truth, you don't have to do a lot of that. Though I don't say it's much easier, it takes just as much work. So starting tomorrow, again, I want to encourage you just take this plan. You can keep it in your Bible. And when you look at the first part of the page, it tells you what the 5 by 5 by 5 plan. It talks about ways to dig deeper, what I just shared with you. And then when you open it up, 
that begins with January, and the first reading is going to be in Mark. And what they did is they took the Gospels and they spread them out so you're not reading the same thing over in this particular time of reading. So what Saturday and Sunday is to be, kind of reflection on what you read during the week. But like I said, you can add more things to this. You could commit to this in the mornings, and then at night, maybe you're reading the Old Testament. Either way, whatever you choose, you need to read the Bible. And the only way that we're going to end biblical illiteracy is when we all read the Bible. And we're consistent, we're systematic when we do this. Some people have never read a book of the Bible from the beginning to the end. We have two reasons why we read Scripture in the service. Number one, Paul told Timothy to publicly read the Scripture at the church at Ephesus. First Timothy, he mentions that. Timothy was the pastor at Ephesus. And he told him to give attention to the public reading of Scripture. So this is one of the reasons why we do this. We are following that tradition to read it publicly. Another reason why we do this is because, as I said, some people have never read through a book of the Bible from the beginning to the end. And guess what? We've been doing this for seven years since I've been here and reading the Bible in every service that we have done the entire New Testament. We've taken on really large portions of the Old Testament. It took us a while, but we did the book of Genesis. And then when we were done with Genesis, guess what we did? We went to Revelation and did 22 chapters there. So we started with 50 chapters. It took us 50 weeks. One chapter a week. So that's what, almost two months? Or more? Anyway, yeah, it is more. And then you get over to the New Testament, and you're reading through epistles. As you know right now, we just started Titus. So we're reading through that. Titus only has three chapters, so we'll be done in three weeks. But like I said, you take the larger books, there are more chapters, it takes a little bit longer. But that's okay. While we're here, we might as well take advantage of getting the Word in us, right? Now, I have two other points, and I really do want to share them, so I'm not going to hurry through them. I'm just going to stop right here and share them next Sunday. But for those of you that are kind of left hanging that need the five points, I'm sorry. I'm going to leave you right there. But if you're really studious, I do put my notes out. You can also pick them up. There's actually three copies of them because I kept having to reprint them because they were printing them on the back, and I don't print on the back. But you can pick up a copy of it as well. In fact, the notes are already on our website. I don't know about you, but I want to get as close as I can to Christ. And the only way I know to do that is to saturate myself with Scripture. And I don't do it near enough. I want to do it more. And if anything, that's my commitment for this year. More. I want more in my mind. More in my heart. You know, it, it guards your thoughts. I have found over the 30 plus years of being a believer, as I read my Bible, 
as I study my Bible, just to add to that, that it has corrected misunderstandings of Scripture. It has corrected misunderstandings from listening to other people. It has helped me to understand what the Bible says because when you read the Bible, that's the question that you're answering. What does the Bible say? And if you read it all the time, you're going to know what it says. Now, you might not know what everything means because that's interpretation. That's the second step. But some people, they read the Bible and they jump straight to application and they never deal with interpreting it. That's the problem too because you want to know what it means in its original language. You want to know what it means or what the author meant when he originally wrote it. We don't want to westernize the Bible, but unfortunately we do that. We bring our own western thinking to the Bible and we impose things on the Bible that are not there or we impose things on the Bible that are not true. So I want to encourage you, take these first three steps and evaluate your own reading plan. Evaluate your own time in the Word. Do you read prayerfully? Do you take some time and spend with the Lord and worship Him as you read and reflect back off what you're reading and talk to God about what you're reading? You know, when I was talking about personalizing the text, you know, we used to do that. I had a few guys that I was memorizing Scripture with years ago, and that's how we would memorize scripture too when we were going back over it because you, you were memorizing it first word for word but then to personalize it you just take portions of it and you would change it from the third person or the second person you'd make it the first person Romans 6 was one that we were really into so to take that and put it in the first person it starts out what shall I say then shall I continue in sin that grace may abound God forbid how shall I who have died to sin live any longer in it you see I'm changing it to I me talking to me how, how can I do this and so you could pray through scripture like that you don't have to memorize it to pray through it you have it right there in front of you Colossians 3.1 if you've been raised up with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. If I have been raised up with Christ, or since I have been raised up with Christ, I'm to seek the things that are above. You know, when I, when I struggle with sometimes my thoughts, the Bible tells me what to think about. You know where it tells you what to think about? Philippians 4.8. It says, whatever is true, whatever is honest, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. And when I was studying through Philippians and taught on it years ago, I went through verse 8, and I went through each one of those things to think on. Well, we need to spend time, and I think you get the point. But I do want to mention the next two points next week because they are equally as important. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And as we do, we're going to share in the Lord's Supper this morning as we begin the month of January. We shared in the Lord's Supper last week for Christmas, and that's okay. Wanted it to be a special service, but we're going to do it once again as we share this morning. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. And as we do this, you pray. And you ask the Lord to prepare your heart. Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to study your word. We thank you for the opportunity to look at these things, these truths today. We pray, Father, that we will make these kind of commitments as we begin this new year to spend time with you and your word. 
And we also pray, Lord God, as we do this, that we'll share it with others. We'll tell others what we're reading, which will solidify it in our own minds, but it also gives us an opportunity, Lord, as you know, to be a witness for you. We just want to be used for your glory, and we want to give you glory. Lord, as we come to this time in the table, we pray that you will prepare us for this time of remembering your death, burial, and resurrection. Thank you, God, for sending the Lord Jesus to die on our behalf. And we pray now, as we examine our hearts, that we don't take of this table in an unworthy manner. But Lord, we consider our own hearts, and we confess our sin and turn from it. We ask all this in